Numbers chapter 16, verse 46. We're only going to look at a brief few sections of this passage today. It will be somewhat familiar to some of you who come on Wednesday night. We referenced this a couple of Wednesday nights ago. We didn't really look too much at the text, but it's such a good text, I felt like it'd be good for us to look at it. And so we're going to kind of read the end of the matter here and then go back and talk about exactly what's going on in this particular event. Numbers chapter 16, that's right toward the front of your Bible. Verse 46, right there toward the end of that chapter. We'll read the verse, then we'll pray and get started. Then Moses told Aaron, Take your fire pan, place fire from the altar in it, and add incense. Go quickly to the community and make atonement for them. Because wrath has come from the Lord, the plague has begun. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you and I pray that as we look at this story, as we look at your words, dear Lord, that we would, that we would experience you today, that, that you'd show us what we need to hear, God. You know where we are in life. You know where, where our walk is at. You know what's in our heart. God, you know what we need to hear, and your word is good, and you can help each of us, God, to hear something today, I believe, if we really seek you, that you would, you'd speak to us, and we ask that you'd do that. I pray that we wouldn't miss you. I pray that... You'd hide me behind the cross that I would preach and teach in a way that's going to bring glory to you. And I pray, God, that you help this word to be good for us today. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Here at the end of the story, we see that things are bad, as is usually the case for God's people Israel. Here a plague is coming on the people, and it is up to Aaron to intercede for the people and Moses to intercede for the people to spare God's people Israel from this plague that has come upon them. Now, we don't know exactly what this plague is, but we do know why this plague came upon God's people. Now, I would encourage you this week to read all of Numbers chapter 16 because it's a really good story, but we will hit the high points this morning. At the beginning of Numbers chapter 16, there is a guy by the name of Korah. He also has a couple of buddies that are key figures throughout this chapter. One is Datham and one is Abiram. Now, these three men, along with 250 other leaders in the community, decide that they are not happy with the way that Moses and Aaron have been doing things. And so we see at the very beginning of the chapter, we see them kind of call Moses and Aaron out. And in verse 3 it says, They came together against Moses and Aaron and told them, You have gone too far. Everyone in the entire community is holy. Well, hold up a second. Now, if you haven't read Scripture before this point, I'm going to tell you, Israel wasn't very good up to this point. They were pretty rotten up to this point. This is the same group of people that right after God brought them out of slavery on their way to the promised land decided, oh, we don't want to follow this God anymore. We're going to mount down our earrings and our gold and we're going to make a golden calf to worship. And these are the very people that these three guys have decided, look, Moses, we don't need you and Aaron. We're holy. We're already good enough. We're already set apart. We don't need you in our life. And so they weren't happy with Moses and Aaron. They weren't possibly happy with the commands and instructions that Aaron had been given them through the Lord. And so they go to him and they say, Look, everyone in the entire community is holy. We don't need you. Now we need to be careful that we don't fall into that trap of, of 
our own selves. That we begin to think too much of our own self. That, that we think that we are holier than now because we are nothing apart from God. We are not holy if we are not in God's plan, if we have not put our faith in Jesus Christ. There is no one holy, not even one. We are set apart when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We are made holy through Him. And here these three men said, wait a minute now, we're holy. We don't need you, Moses and Aaron. We don't need you to tell us what God's telling you. We don't need you to lead us. We don't need you to guide us. We don't like the way you're doing things. And so we got our little group here, and we want to take care of the things that we want to take care of them in the way that we want to take care of them. And then he continues on. And the Lord is, excuse me, everyone in the entire community is holy, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourself above the Lord's assembly? So here's that charge that they brought against Moses and Aaron, that somehow they thought that, that, that Moses and Aaron as being leaders of the people that God had called them to be, they obviously didn't like their leadership and what they were doing and the commands that they were giving and the way that they were leading. And look at Moses' response there in verse 4. When Mer Moses heard this, he fell face down. Now, I think that's an interesting verse for us to consider. And that is, why did Moses fall face down? Well, it's really hard to know because it doesn't tell us in the context, but but maybe there are a couple of good reasons why Moses fell down. Perhaps Moses knew what these guys were speaking. Perhaps Moses knew, hold up, wait a minute. You're, you're not calling out me and, me and Aaron here. You're calling out God. You're not questioning the way I have done things. You're questioning the things that God have done. And maybe Moses said, I'm getting down because I know things are fisting to get bad. Perhaps that's the reason why Moses fell face down. Perhaps Moses took their, their complaints to heart. Maybe they, they brought this complaint before Moses, and maybe Moses fell down and thought, have I done these people wrong? Have I done wrong in the eyes of the Lord? Have I been a bad leader? Have I been doing something that I shouldn't have been doing? Perhaps that was the attitude which Moses had here. We don't know, but we see here that Moses responded to these allegations that were brought, these, these complaints that were brought. And so these, these characters were not happy with what was taking place, but Moses calls them out as we continue to read through the story. Moses said, hold up now. You need to, you need to realize what's going on here. Now, Korah uh, was, was a descendant of Levite. Now, if you don't know about the Levites in the Old Testament, it was the Levites that were to do all the priestly stuff. That's where the priests were to come from and all the priestly duties that had to be done. And some of those priestly duties that had to be done is when they set up the tabernacle. Now, the tabernacle was kind of like a tent. And they would take it all around the desert with them in the wilderness as they were going through the wilderness, wherever it was, you know. They'd take it and they'd set it up, and, and it was a certain way that it had to be constructed and a certain way that things were laid out. And there was one part of that tent that was the Holy of Holies, and the Ark of the Covenant was in there, and there God would descend among the people, and the glory of God would be there, and it was a pretty gnarly place. Well, it was the Levites and certain groups of the Levites that had certain jobs that they had to do. And the... Korah, his, his ancestors that came before him, the Kohathites, Korah was the descendant of Kohath, the Kohathites had this, this position, this job, where they had to take care of the most holy things in the temple. I mean, they had to take extra precaution, and they had to wrap these things in a, in a special way and handle these things in a special way because, because these were holy, holy things. And so the Kohathites, all the way down to Korah, who would have fallen in that category, they had a very special position, a very high position, a very unique position in the land. 
And Moses calls this group out. He says, listen here. He says, you, God has placed you as a Levite with, with this great responsibility, and yet you want more? It's not enough for you for God to use you for this task he's called you to, but now you're questioning Aaron. Now you're trying to seek the priesthood for yourself. You've gathered all these people. You're coming against us. And Moses said, it is not I that have done wrong, but it is you who have done wrong. It is you who have called out the Lord. It is you who have complained. It is you who are not doing right. And Moses is telling them, you better watch out. And, and so Moses says, as the story continues, he says, I'm going to call these guys out. I'm, I'm going to call them out. And he does so a few verses down. In verse uh, 12, Moses sent for Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, but they said, we will not come. Is it not enough that you brought us up from a land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness? Do you also have to appoint yourself as ruler over us? Furthermore, you didn't bring us to a land flowing with milk and honey or give us an inheritance of fields and vineyards. Will you gouge out the eyes of these men? We will not come. So Moses calls these guys to come. And they said, we're not coming. And isn't it interesting the language that they use when they send word back to Moses? Listen to what they say there. They said, we will not come. Is it not enough that you brought us up from a land flowing with milk and honey? Now, wait a minute. Go back and read the history of Israel. They didn't come from a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, God had said when he was going to lead Moses to get the people and lead them out of Egypt, he was going to lead them to a land flowing with milk and honey. But before Moses came onto the scene and through God delivered his people, God's people were living in a land of slavery. But yet here, they're saying, look, what we came from was better than where we are. What we came from was a land flowing with milk and honey. Moses, you promised to give us something better. You hadn't given us anything. We were better off in slavery than we are out here in the wilderness with you. And we're not following you. We're not coming to you. And we're not listening to you. Now, we need to pay attention to what they said here and what was going on here. They thought that where they came from was better than where they were going. And so they were ready to go back to where they were. Now, there are things in my life and things in your life, there are sins, there are things that look good to us. And on the surface, maybe what bef what's before us appears to be the best that there is. Maybe what we are surrounded by appears to be milk and honey only because we have not seen that there's something better. And that's what the Word of God tells us. He says, look... There's something better than what you see, praise the Lord. There's something better than what we see in this world. And so whatever our sin may be today, whatever our struggle may be today, don't be deceived and think that that's the best that there is. God wants to deliver us from our burdens, from our sins, from all of these things, and he wants to take us to a land flowing with milk and honey. But it's not always instant. Now, I can assure you that when you seek God, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, God will begin a work in you. He will begin to transform you and to begin to change you into something better, to take you from your life of sin and the sin that so easily ensnares you and bring you into a place of freedom, a land flowing with milk and honey. But it's not always instant. 
And that's what we see here with the Israelites. They'd come out of slavery. Okay, things were pretty bad. But now they're saying, I want to go back to where I, where I am, where I was. Instead of saying, nope, God has started a journey to bring me somewhere better, and I'm going to trust the God who delivered me. And so where are we at today on our journey? Perhaps there are some of you, and your journey has gotten tough because it does sometimes. Sometimes as we go through the journey of life, it is tough. And life hits us in the head, and sin is just always before us. And it is a struggle, and there is pain, and there is heartache, and there are all these things that are tough. And there are times maybe that we look back to our old way of life, and we say, I just need to go back to the old way. Things were better then than they are now, but I want to encourage you and tell you today, if you've started to walk with the Lord, if you're on the path of righteousness, do not turn back. God didn't bring his people to a land of milk and honey instantly. That was partially their fault because of their disobedience. But nonetheless, even though we are sometimes disobedient, God is patient with us. God desires to deliver us from where we were and slaves, as slaves to sin to a better place in his presence. And so today we need to stand firm that we don't fall into the same trap as these guys. That they think, oh, I'm holier than thou. I'm good enough. We don't need you. We don't need the instruction of God. We, we, we want to get to a land flowing with milk and honey. And here we are in a, in, a, in a wasteland. We want to get back to where we were. But God wants to take us to somewhere better than where we were. And so Moses is trying to work with this, with this group here. They don't want to have nothing to do with what Moses is saying. And so Moses eventually calls them out. And he says, okay, here's what we're going to do. Now, God was ready to destroy them all. He was ready to take care of business. And Moses is so faithful. It's a beautiful thing that we see with Moses toward the end of Exodus. And here in this chapter, we see Moses speaking up for the people. We see Moses saying, God, hold on. Be patient with them. Don't, don't destroy everybody just because there's a few bad, bad eggs in the bunch. He says, don't destroy them all. And Moses is, is a beautiful and wonder example of a leader there in standing up for his people. And so what Moses does is he says, here's what we're going to do. He says, we'll decide if these guys are right or not by what the Lord does to them. He says, if the Lord allows them to live a long life, if nothing happens to them and they live their long life and they die at a ripe old age, then Moses says, then, then you will know that what they are saying is correct, that the charges they have brought against me, that they are correct and that they are right in what they say. But then Moses says, if these guys are not right in what they say, if what they are saying is wrong, he said, may the ground open up and swallow them. And guess what happened? When Moses said that, all those who had been part of this huge plan to overtake Moses and Aaron in disobedience to God, it says that the ground opened up and that they and their families were swallowed up inside and the ground closed over them. The 250 that were left, there were the three men and the 250 they were wrangled up, they were all killed. And then you would think that the people would say, whoa, God is good. Let me praise this God and fall down before him. But could you believe they didn't do that? Now, before we pass judgment, are we so foolish sometimes too that we clearly see the word of God and the work of God and we should be in awe of what God says and we should be in full obedience to what God says, but yet we find ourselves living in sin, we find ourselves complaining, and that's exactly what the people that were left did. 
God was ready to strike them out again, all of them. And Moses and Aaron said, hold up. And God sent this plague on them that we read about in our verse. Now, we don't know what this plague is. This plague was coming, and it killed a lot of his people. As we continue to read through the chapter, you'll see there were a lot of God's people that were killed by this plague. But as this plague was coming, as God's wrath was being poured out, it brings us to the verse that we read in verse 46. And there Moses tells Aaron to take your fire pan, place fire from the altar in it, and add incense, go quickly to the community, and make atonement for them. You see, the problem for God's people here was is that they were disobedient and they were living in sin and they were experiencing the wrath of God because they refused to follow and listen to what God had commanded them and refused to follow and listen to those God had put to lead them. And God had already destroyed those who were uh, guilty of causing all of this uproar that was taking place and all of the other people were still so so stubborn and stupid that they failed to seek God and worship him and repent. And God continued the wrath, but praise the Lord that there was one who made atonement for them. Now we read stories like this and we say, well, I would never do such a thing. But the fact of the matter is, is we probably do such a thing every day. We probably have occasions every day where we know full well what we should do and we, we, we know what God's commands are, but for whatever reason, we choose to be disobedient to them. We choose to complain about the way things are. We choose to think that we are better than we are. And sometimes God has a way of getting our attention. Now, I'm going to guess that there's probably nobody in here that's ever seen the ground open up and swallow someone and close behind them. But perhaps there are some ways that aren't quite that extreme in which God is trying to get your attention today. Maybe he's been trying to get it all week or all month or for five years. Maybe through this very passage, these very few words that we looked at today. Maybe the Holy Spirit's speaking to you today, and maybe today you realize God's trying to get my attention. And so when we realize that in our life, the question is, what are we going to do about it? Are we going to continue to be disobedient to God, as the people in this story did? Or are we going to find ourselves in obedience to God? Are we going to seek what God has done for us and what God has provided for us through Jesus Christ. It's atonement that was needed for the people to spare them. They had to be atoned for because of their sins. And it's the same for you and I. As we go day after day and that temptation to sin is there and sometimes we sin, it is atonement that is needed for you and I. And that atonement only comes through Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected. We see if you read a, a few verses down there in verse 48, it says of Aaron, he stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was halted. Here we have before us today in the word of God, the teachings of the gospel of Jesus Christ, a man to make atonement for us, who stands before us, who stands between death and life, and that is Jesus Christ. Apart from Jesus Christ, we will die in our sins, and we will suffer greatly because of that. But when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the one that stands between death and life, he will bring us into life, into eternal life. He is the one who has made atonement for you today by giving his life on a cross so that you could be forgiven. What a beautiful Savior we have. What a beautiful story we have of Moses and Aaron and, and that, that Moses would intercede and that Aaron would intercede for the people. But, but this is only a, 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 a small little glimpse of the greatness of Jesus. 
that Jesus would intercede for us, that Jesus would atone for us by giving his life on a cross. In our sin, we are dead because the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, and it is through Jesus that we can enter from death to life today. This story ends with somewhat of a positive ending. We talked about Korah. And as you will read through the Psalms, you will notice sometimes that some of those Psalms are attributed to the sons of Korah, the same Korah that's being spoken of here. And even though Korah was destroyed for his rebellion here, some of his descendants obviously learned what was good and what was right. And they continued in their service in the temple, and they continued to do what God had commanded them to. Let us learn from the story of Korah and these other guys today. Let us learn from their mistakes that we don't be those who fall into the pit of our sin, but we be the, those who have been delivered from our sin through Jesus Christ, crucified and resurrected. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for your good word, and I pray that you would help us to take it to heart, dear Lord, to listen to what we have read, to go back and study what we have read, to see uh, the greatness of your power, dear Lord, the beauty of, of, of your grace, that how you used Moses and how you used Aaron, dear Lord. Let us learn from the foolishness of those in this story, dear Lord, because the fact is sometimes we are those who are just that foolish. So help us not to be that way, God, but help us to seek you. Help us to learn. Help us to listen when you speak, that our lives would be transformed, dear Lord. So I pray, God, that if there is one in this room today, maybe they have, they have come from death through Jesus Christ, but maybe the road is tough. God, maybe they're, they're longing for the days in the land flowing with milk and honey, and God, it's coming for those who are in Christ. It's coming. But God, we have not experienced that yet. But God, let us be those who stand firm. Let us be those who hold the faith. Let us be those, God, who choose life and not death. Let us be those who choose Jesus Christ over our sin. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.